This is Brain Diet, episode number 75. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 75. That's a lot of episodes. (laughs) If this is your first episode, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode. For those of you that are new, my name's Taylor Ann and I am a life coach. And on this podcast, I teach you about your brain and about how your brain relates to life. (laughs) So that's pretty all encompassing. But It's stuff that we aren't really taught anywhere else, and it's stuff that has been so invaluable in my own life and in that of my clients. And so I have so much fun being able to produce this podcast and share things that I think are interesting and helpful when it comes to mental and emotional health. So speaking in terms of mental and emotional health, today we are talking about why we cry. I encounter clients on a pretty regular basis who will cry during sessions. I myself am a very regular crier, if you will. (laughs) And I think that it's really interesting because without fail, most people that cry in front of me, I think this is pretty typical for most people in general. It's usually followed by, I'm so sorry. Like there's an apology that follows when someone starts to cry. And I wanted to break that down a little bit because I think it's a really interesting idea that we feel the need to apologize when we are crying. And I think that it comes from the idea that crying or or the feeling of crying, it does feel very vulnerable and it is very real. Crying is a very real and raw thing to be doing. And so sometimes people believe that that is something to apologize for, that vulnerability is something to apologize for. I think there is a lot of dialogue about this, about increasing our vulnerability, but I wanted to dive into it a little bit more in this episode, not for the sake of saying to you, hey, be more vulnerable, but just to give you some understanding about why we cry and then to use it and decide the level of vulnerability that you want to be at any different stage of your life or at any different place in your life. So if we ask why we are apologizing, I think it's because of what we make the tears mean. When we cry, we make it mean that we have a lack of control or perhaps that we are weak for crying or that something has gone wrong because we are crying. But crying physiologically is an automated response. It is something that happens automatically from a number of different stimuli that might cause this to happen. So physical pain can cause tears. Tears also serve the purpose of cleaning out our eyes if we have something stuck in them. Sometimes if we are cutting onions, we start to cry, right? This is all in the realm of automated responses. Sometimes when we're really tired, we cry. I know that's not true for me, but for my husband, Ben, when he gets really tired, he tears up. I want to talk today 
about the context of crying in relation to emotions, which still is an automated response. But I think that's the place where people have difficulty making it mean something useful. When people cry because of emotions, that's when they make it mean, oh, they have a lack of control or, oh, they're weak. Or maybe we think those things about ourselves, right? So when you think about crying, I believe that it is how our body handles certain emotions. There are certain sad emotions that people cry over. There are certain happy emotions that people cry over. There are certain elements of surprise when people cry. There is a whole spectrum of emotions that people will cry in response to. I think that tears happen as a reflection of the intensity of an emotion. I think of our bodies as a space to process the vibrations of emotions. I teach that emotions are vibrations within our bodies. They are things that we feel. And sometimes when the space of our body is inadequate to process these vibrations all the way through, when emotions are especially intense, that it's kind of like it's just overflowing in the form of tears, right? Crying is the way that our body processes and regulates emotions. When the intensity is too strong to be able to vibrate all the way through in our physical bodies, then it can tend to overflow through the form of tears. I mean, I think it's kind of funny, overflow tears. I mean, it's not literally overflowing, but you kind of get the gist, right? It is the way that our body regulates these vibrations that are passing through at any time. So I really like to neutralize crying in this way. I like to neutralize it in myself so that when my body needs to regulate in this way, it won't be inhibited. So if I feel the tears coming, I kind of just let that bucket overflow without panicking or trying to choke it back down because that just makes it worse. Now, I will talk later in this episode about ways that you can avoid crying in situations that perhaps you don't want to cry in. I know that we don't want to just be going around being vulnerable all the time. <laughs> I think there are places for it that are varying depending on our individual preferences, right? And so there are things we can do to help ourselves not cry when we don't want to, but there are also things we can do to help ourselves cry when we do want to. And so I have found that when I am in a space where I feel safe to do so, then I allow that to just overflow. And there are times in public where I still allow it too, but it is a very personal choice and it's something that you can exercise some control over if you want to. Some people are more inclined to cry than others. And again, I think that just speaks to the individuality of a person's body and the way that their body regulates everything. For someone like me, I cry almost every day and it does come from the whole spectrum of emotions, sadness, happy, overwhelmed, music. I mean, those are emotions and subjects. There are so many different reasons why I might cry. And it's something that I really like. I like to allow my body to do that. And for me, most of the time, it feels very cleansing to be able just to allow for that. I was reading an article that was talking about the primal purpose of tears. I mean, as long as humanity has been around, we have cried. And they brought up the phrase in this article of a cry for help. So it said that tears can signal that we need help without words. And that doesn't mean that we're doing it on purpose to try and solicit help necessarily. It's a primal thing that allows us to say, hey, I need help. 
And this is the way that I'm going to communicate that because maybe I'm not able to with words. And that is one idea. I think that there is a lot of um, value in that. And I want to give an additional or perhaps an alternative perspective to why I think that we cry. I don't know that we know for certain why we cry, but this is some of the research that I've done and the thoughts that I have about it and the way that I think about it in a way that helps me cry and process my emotions and to use it as a tool. On the flip side, oftentimes when we see people crying, our instinct is to say, what's going on? What can I do to help? And so crying, I think, can bond us socially in this way. Again, coming back to this primal nature of crying, if we are signaling that we need help and then people see us crying, the see the tears on our face, that might remove some barriers. People might not be as inclined to talk to you if you were doing anything else, but because you're crying, it makes someone more inclined to remove those barriers and say, hey, how can I help you? So I think that there is that element of social bonding that can happen because of crying. Crying is very vulnerable. And I think especially when we live in a society and a culture where we are not taught very much about emotions and what we are taught is that they should be restrained and controlled and so I think that we are less inclined to allow ourselves to cry because it feels like we are doing something wrong or that something has gone wrong I think that's why it's important to talk about to at least understand some pieces of it or have a different perspective around it in case it helps you in some way But if you think about our body regulating itself, there's so much that happens in our body without us having to consciously think about it. I think that allowing the body to regulate itself in whatever way it deems fit is necessary for our emotional health. So if that means that the body is trying to regulate itself and the result is it starts to cry, you start to cry, then maybe that's what it needs in order to regulate itself. That's what's necessary for you. It doesn't mean you have to cry all the time, but it just gives you more information about what your body's trying to do and how to manage it. And have you ever had like that burning in your throat when you're trying so hard not to cry? I mean, I think of that and it it's painful, right? There's like that burning when you're trying to choke it down and it even makes it more painful and then it makes it harder not to cry and then it just becomes this big like emotional thing inside of us that creates more pain than just in the first place if we simply allowed it to happen. And that's why neutralizing it is so important. Crying is just an automated response. We only think that it means something bad or wrong because of the thoughts we are having about crying. But if you think about someone, like if someone were to be surprised and their blood pressure went up, you wouldn't make it mean that something had gone wrong or that something was bad because their blood pressure went up for a you know, a few moments, it would mean that the body was just responding. And this is where we have to do the work around what we make crying mean. Humans are the only creature whose tears can be triggered by their feelings. Personally, I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) As humans, we have the ability to think thoughts that generate emotion, that generate a physical automated response in our body. Like if you think about it, that is a skill. I had to do this in a musical in high school. I had to cry on stage. I was alone on stage and I had to cry and it was hard. But what I had to do was to think about what the character was thinking and feeling. 
and I had to drop into what did I imagine this person's thoughts were around this scenario. Even though I was just in a room on a stage, I was thinking about what this character might be thinking. Even though I wasn't really living out this musical, I was able to think thoughts to create those emotions to then create that automated response. Like, that's pretty freaking cool that we can do that as humans. My husband and I just went and saw Les Mis, and to see these humans who were much better than I was on stage conveying so much emotion. And really, it's like they're just in a room. Like, they're, it's, they're nowhere special. They're not actually, like, out at sea or they're not actually, you know, on the verge of death. It's like they're just on a stage, but they are able to convey so much emotion and, and feeling because of the way they are thinking. They have developed the skill of thinking thoughts to generate emotions to then create an automated physical response. Isn't that incredible? And there is a TikTok trend right now that made me laugh so hard where it's it's from the voice of anxiety and it's saying, you know, anxiety talking to you saying, well, aren't you worried? And then you respond to it, why? <laughs> and then anxiety just like gives you a look and then all of a sudden you're really worried. It's like you can be, this is something that happens to me all the time. I can just be sitting on the couch and have a thought like this, like, shouldn't I be worried about something? And then all of a sudden I think of something to be worried about and then I have a lot of thoughts about it and then I get more worried even though nothing has changed. <laughs> This is what we can do with our brain and this is what happens to us with our brain if we aren't deliberately on top of it and paying attention to it and realizing the control that we do have. The same is true, you know, for happy emotions. I think of my wedding album and photos and I look at those and feel so much emotion because I'm thinking about that day. Nothing has changed. I'm still just sitting there looking at pictures, but because I'm thinking new thoughts, I'm feeling different emotions and therefore having a completely different experience. It's amazing that we have this skill, right? If we are generating emotion within ourselves with how we are thinking, we can learn also to allow these emotions to regulate in whatever way they need to. It really is being the master of yourself, being the master of your brain and your emotions to allow it to be what it's going to be and allow your body to regulate in the way that it's going to regulate. I wanted to mention as well that there are different types of crying. And what I mean by that is based on age and emotional maturity, infants cry to communicate. They cry when they are hungry. They cry when they are uncomfortable. And sometimes they cry for no apparent reason, but it is the only way that they have to communicate. This is not the same as what I'm describing to you so far. That's a whole separate thing. Also amazing that we are just born with that ability to be able to communicate, even though we can't communicate. (laughs) And then as infants grow into toddlers and young children, the crying serves a different purpose. And I think that in young children, experiencing vibrations of emotions can either be A, too large for their small bodies, and B, just completely too intolerable because it's not something that they are accustomed to feeling. And so because of this, their body is trying to regulate these emotions that it's experiencing. And that can be through crying. And and I know with toddlers, my kids, especially kids that are, you know, young-ish, can be very loud and extreme (laughs) moments of tears and tantrums. And I think that looking at that as a parent for me to be able to say, yeah, I get it. You're experiencing these new emotions. Your body doesn't feel like it can handle all of it. It doesn't know how to regulate that quite yet. And it feels really intolerable because it is so new. It's not something you are accustomed to. It makes perfect sense that you might react in this way. I mean, I think that most toddlers and children experience tantrums and tears mean something about our 
emotional growth through maturity. As we mature into adults, there is shifts in our emotional abilities. So then as we grow into adults, we cry as an automated response to these vibrations in our bodies. And then we learn behaviors as adults that instead of throwing a tantrum when an emotion is intolerable, we learn behaviors to not feel our emotions in other ways, which I don't believe are as useful. You know, we use social media or food. We use things outside of us to prevent ourselves from feeling our emotions. And that's why I teach what I do. I think it's so important to learn how to feel your feelings so then you aren't constantly either ignoring them or avoiding them or reacting to them because we can still be in that phase of emotional immaturity when we are doing that. And so learning how to feel your emotions, how to allow those vibrations, how to allow those automated responses can allow you to be more in charge of your life and not be so much in the space of emotional immaturity and be feeling like you are at the effect of your emotions. But what I want to really offer you today, and I hope that I have illustrated this by repeating myself over and over, that this is an automated response when we cry, that crying is never a problem. Crying is not something that we need to fix necessarily, even in children. Like with my own kids, when they are throwing tantrums, I just allow them to just have that experience and allow that to burn itself out without saying, oh, how can we fix it? How can I make you feel better? What's wrong? And that's one thing that I wanted to really emphasize today is this idea of what's wrong. It is our natural inclination to ask that question when someone is crying or when someone is feeling a negative emotion. What I want to offer is that no negative emotion means that something has gone wrong. It just means that we're having a human experience. Just because we are crying doesn't mean that something has gone wrong necessarily. It just means that our body is processing an emotion and that that's okay. Crying isn't something to be fixed. It's just something to allow if that's where you are at, if that's how your body wants to regulate itself. So what do we do in those moments when we might feel the tears start to bubble up and we don't want to cry? It's not very convenient to cry. (laughs) I have found that breathing is a huge help in these moments to be able to really take a deep breath and to open up that space in your throat that wants to clench up and burn when you're on the verge of crying. You have to breathe into that space and allow for that to open up so that you're not resisting it and making it worse and making it even harder to not cry, right? So deep breaths are a huge resource. The second thing that I like to implement for myself in these situations is to talk to myself a little bit, have a thought in place that helps me stay where I am, but not try to deny the crying necessarily. So sometimes in the moment when I feel those tears coming up, I have a thought like, I'll pay attention to you soon. No worries. I'm going to listen. Just a second. We just have to do this first. (laughs) And that might sound a little bit childish, but again, it's that emotional piece that we have to speak to with love and patience and kindness. So in these situations, if you are able to find a thought that keeps you where you are, if you are able to breathe into yourself a little bit, take some deep breaths and remind yourself that you will pay attention to these tears and these emotions when it's a little bit more convenient, then it can give you a little bit more authority and not feel like you are so much trying to win a losing battle. So if you're not much of a crier, then that's totally fine. I'm not suggesting that we try to cry more, but I like to encourage crying to those who suppress it to those who think it means something about them, to those who think it means that something is wrong, that something 
is weak in you if you are crying or that you are too vulnerable and don't have control over yourself. I don't believe that that's the case. And that's what I want you to challenge yourself on. If you feel like you are suppressing tears on a regular basis, or maybe you're kind of past that point, you aren't even sure if you are, try to let it happen sometime. Try to see if you can get the tears coming and just see what happens. I think it can be a really interesting experiment into ourselves to get to know ourselves a little bit. So next time you cry, just let that bucket overflow. Just let it be what it is. Breathe into that space and let the tears come and recognize that nothing has gone wrong. All right, my friends, that is all I have for you this week. Remember, if you are interested in working with me, you can apply at the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and I will talk to you soon. 